0: Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app,
3: gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get back to the show, I just want to say how much we have loved bringing you shows like Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches or the new Earth Rangers Underground podcast, and especially the new episodes in the Six Minutes feed, the ones about the Cyrus Lost tapes. And this is when I need to say a big thank you to all our GZM subscribers. Your support makes independent audio like this possible. If you're not a GZM subscriber yet, right now is the time to join for ad-free listening, early access, and more. Show your support and learn more at GZMshows.com/slash subscribers. Help us bring you more great shows by becoming a subscriber today. And thank you.
1: Hi, I'm Jonathan Messenger, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. I'm here with my good friend and intro bot, Bebop. Say hi to everyone, Bebop. Hey, everybody. Okay, Bebop, I know you usually like to interrupt me, and you have your own plans for how these intros go, but I thought we could do something we haven't done in a while, which is to answer a few questions from listeners. What do you say?
4: Uh, yeah,
0: I love it.
1: Okay. So the first question is from Cadence Lee, and here we go.
0: My name is Cadence, and I am six years old. Bebop, how have you done in the elections?
4: Well, Cadence, that is a fantastic question, and while I did lose the election to be president, as you know, I'm very excited to announce my candidacy for Best Podcast Robot of 2017. It's early in the campaign, but I believe if we work together, we have a real shot at it.
1: Do you think you have a real shot at it because you made it up? Yes. Okay, great. Here's another question from Theo6 in New Jersey.
0: Bebop, have you built a time porter that allowed you to go to the past and fight real dinosaurs? That's a very good question,
4: Theo. I have not yet built a time porter to send me to the past to fight real dinosaurs. If you remember from Bebop Tales, I was bounced there by Baron's Time Bounce Shield. And I have to say, all that high-speed time travel into the past was pretty scary, and I couldn't really eat any art for, like, a week after it.
1: Okay, well, that's a good answer. I
4: did build the time porter to send me into the far-off future Bebop Tales Season 2's spoiler Alert.
1: What was that? Nothing. And finally, a question from five-year-old Isaac from Tampa. Can Bebop tell us how robots made Bebop so people can learn how to make Bebop and have more Bebop Tales because it's so fun?
4: Well, first of all, thank you, Isaac. I'm glad you liked Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales. Oh, boy. The first robot ever to grow fingernails, Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales.
1: Did you just say you were the first robot to ever grow fingernails?
4: That's for another episode, Jonathan.
1: (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, can you answer Isaac's question, Bebop? Sure.
4: Listen, Isaac, I'm sorry, but I can't tell you how I was made any more than a rose could tell you why it smells so sweet. Some things are just unknown.
1: Wow, Bebop. That's really poetic. Yes, sir. Okay, well, that's it for now, and thank you so much, Bebop, for taking the time to answer all your fans' questions. Let's move into the next episode now. If you remember what happened in the last episode, the kids of Explorership 301 were cheated out of wins in two more games, and the final match came down to Finn and Hamlet, and the king had tasked them with bringing him a piece of the moon, but they couldn't use a spaceship. I'm not sure how they're going to do that, but let's find out in Episode 3, A Short Leash. King had given the teams the night to think up a plan. The Marlowe kids retired to a locker room deep beneath the stadium seats. It had large, plush chairs and long couches, and seemed more like a living room than somewhere athletes would gather. They knew that the Shakespeare kids were in a similar room on the other side of the stadium, but what they didn't know was how they were going to get up to a moon a couple hundred thousand miles away from the planet without a spaceship. It doesn't make any sense, said Vale. How are we supposed to get a piece of a moon without our pod to even get up there? Maybe he meant it metaphorically, said Finn. Maybe we're supposed to give him a piece of the moon, like we give him an idea of what the moon is like, or give him the essence of the moon, not an actual moon rock. What do you mean, said Elias? Well, look, you can give someone a piece or a part of something, like they can understand something better through a picture or a story or a poem said Finn. Maybe I should write a poem. A poem, said Paige. Like what? Like, roses are red, violets are blue, your planet's down here, and hey, look, there's the moon? That's not exactly what I had in mind, said Finn. You know, it's not a bad idea, said Abigail. It could be a riddle or something. We did have that moon riddle back when we were inside Saffrite, but just in case, I think we should try to figure out how to get up there. Okay, hear me out said Elias, what about Cannonball Mountain? Maybe we could tunnel into the side of Cannonball Mountain, figure out how it shoots its cannonballs, upgrade it, make it more powerful, and then fire a cannonball at the moon. The cannonball would hit the moon, make a huge crater, a piece of the moon would go flying off, and then maybe we could like make a giant magnet in like a huge net, and then suck it down into the net here on the planet for us to catch, and then bam! We win. They all looked at Elias, "'Yeah, okay, fine,' he said. "'That probably won't work.' "'What if I could get my hands on a rocket sled again?' said Vale. "'Then you could just take that up.' "'I think that counts as a spaceship, Vale,' said Page. "'Hey, you know those big hairy guards the king has?' said Page. "'Finn, I bet if you rolled yourself up into a little ball, one of those guys could probably throw you all the way up there!' (laughs) Page laughed at her idea, but Finn was too lost in thought to argue back. "'Man!' he said. I wish they had let Foggy stay down here. I bet he could have figured this out by now. The team sank deep into the soft furniture of the locker room, and one by one, Paige, Elias, Vale, and Abigail all fell asleep, exhausted from competing in their games that day. Finn stayed awake, pacing in the room, partially because he was still racking his brain, trying to come up with a solution, and partially because he didn't trust the Shakespeare kids to leave them alone. Someone was at the door. Finn watched as the doorknob rattled. Abigail, he whispered. Elias, Vale, Page. But all of his friends had drifted deep into their dreams. There was no way he could wake them. Fine, said Finn. What's the worst that it could be? He stood up, strode across the floor, opened the door, and there was no one there. He looked left and looked right, but Nothing. Was the stress of trying to figure out the king's request finally cracking him up? He gently closed the door, turned around, and... Aah! He yelled. There, sitting on its hind legs, was the Shakespeare's robot dog. Ah, hey, little fella,' Finn said. "'Did you get lost?' The dog looked at him, but didn't say anything. "'Did you think this was the Shakespeare kid's room? Do you know how to get back?' "'Man, I'm
5: a dog. Do you think dogs get lost?' Also, I'm a robot. Do you think robots get lost? And do you think that robot dogs get lost? So no, I'm actually here to
1: see you. Me? Said Finn. Why
5: me? Wait, you can talk? Of course I can talk. I'm a robot dog. I'm a robot dog. Not some animal that chases squirrels. Although if you see any squirrels or squirrel-like animals, do let me know because, whoo, man, it's been a while since I, uh, you know, I, uh, What was I saying?
1: The robot dog's tail was wagging furiously. You were saying how you can talk.
5: Oh yeah, of course I can talk. Why would you ever make a robot that couldn't talk? But between you and me, don't tell Hamlet or any of those three chuckleheads from the Shakespeare. They never cared one way or another about me
1: anyways. Finn couldn't help feeling sorry for the dog. He reached out and patted him on the head. It's pretty easy for me not to tell the Shakespeare kids something, said Finn. They're not exactly beating down my door to be friends, which reminds me, why are you here? Because
5: your friend Abigail over there was really nice to me, and the rest of you seem pretty nice too,
1: so I think there's something you want to see. The dog got back on its four legs and trotted over to the door. He looked back at Finn and gave a little growl. <sighs> I can talk, said the dog,
5: but I'm still a dog. You mind helping a doggie out here?
1: Oh, right, said Finn. He turned the doorknob and followed the dog out the door.
5: Listen, the Shakespeare kids were lying to you when they said that I was just a pet,
1: said the dog, as they walked quietly through the hallways beneath the stadium seating.
5: I've been aboard that station since day one. I was one of their first robots. They made me to help them search planets. But as time wore on and the Shakespeare got more so-called advanced robots, they deactivated me. Felt like they didn't need me anymore. But... they'd heard a rumor that there was going to be a maze in this Olympics. So they powered me back up and brought me along, thinking I might be able to sneak into the maze and help sniff a way out. But they got so greedy and got caught cheating in the first two games, they didn't risk using me in the third. Okay, shh. We're going to step outside right here. But stay low and don't let anyone see you.
1: Finn felt a little nervous about this. Why was he trusting this dog again? And where was this dog leading him? And why was he just letting the dog lead him anywhere? The dog turned around to look at Finn. What's wrong? Nothing.
5: Let me guess, you're feeling a little nervous. No. And you don't know why you should trust me. No. And you're wondering why you're just letting me lead you anywhere. Can you read minds? (laughs) No. It's exactly what any smart kid would
1: be thinking right now.
5: I don't blame you, but look, let's go through this door, and then you'll see that
1: you can trust me. Finn followed the dog out onto a concourse at the top of the stadium, the edge of the walls facing out onto the orange grass. There were flags above him whipping in the wind, and Finn felt like he could very easily be blown off the edge. He hugged one of the flagpoles, and his eyes darted around the fields beyond the stadium. Finn looked over at the dog, confused. Why are we up here? Look, said the dog. Finn followed where the dog was pointing. Out about a hundred yards from the stadium, he could just make out the Shakespeare's small ship, sitting in the dark. There was a pale glow from inside, and Finn could make out the shadow of someone sitting at the main controls. "'It's Hamlet, isn't it?' said Finn. The dog nodded. "'So what, he's going to sneak up to the moon in the spaceship right now? That's ridiculous. The king and everyone else would see and hear him.'" "'It's
5: actually not as ridiculous as it seems.'" About a year ago, the Shakespeare had a near disaster. It crashed into an invisible planet never saw it coming. It caused a big controversy, and the Shakespeare ended up stranded for months, trying to pay off all the damage it had done. But they also negotiated for some of the technology that the planet had.
1: A cloaking device, said Finn. He looked out at the ship, and he felt hopeless. What are we going to do? I guess we have to go tell the king that they're cheating again. "'Well, you could,' said the dog.
5: "'But by the time you're done explaining yourself, Hamlet can be back. "'And you still won't have a solution for getting a piece of the moon anyhow.'
1: "'Okay,' said Finn. "'Just tell me what you want me to do. "'You obviously brought me here with a plan in mind.' "'I'm so
5: glad you asked.'
1: "'He turned and faced the edge of the stadium. "'A small hatch on his back opened up, and a short leash snaked out. "'Grab on
5: and hop on. Don't be shy.'
1: Finn took the leash in his hand and tried to sit down on the dog's back. But the dog was so small, he felt like a giant, trying to ride a tricycle. This is a little bit awkward. The dog fell off the side of the stadium. He and Finn dove straight down. They streaked toward the ground, just narrowly avoiding tree branches along the way. Just as they were about to hit the ground, Boosters in the dog's feet kicked on, and they swooped out. So close were they to colliding with the planet that the orange grass tickled Finn's nose as he flew behind the dog, holding onto the leash with everything that he had. Eventually, he pulled himself back onto the dog and wrapped his legs around its body. You're out of your mind, said Finn. If you wanted to kill me, you're going through an awful lot of trouble. The dog laughed as they entered a forest, dodging above downed trees and below low branches. Wait until we get a little farther from the stadium. I
5: don't want Hamlet to hear us.
1: The dog emerged into a clearing and began flying in circles. What are you doing? said Finn.
5: Hold on a second. I just need to work up a little more speed.
1: The dog flew faster, 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 faster. And then the end of its tail flared out, revealing a giant rocket engine.
5: Did I mention I'm also a rocket dog?
1: The dog's engine powered up and Finn, holding on now with his arms around the dog's neck, flew with it straight off the planet and on toward the moon. He looked back and he saw the Shakespeare's pod blink out of sight. The cloaking device turned on. Finn and the dog's flight to the moon was short, and their stay on the moon actually never happened. As they closed in on the moon they discovered that it was populated with thousands of small, rock-like moon creatures. The creatures had set up some sort of military defense, and as soon as Finn and the dog closed in on them, they began catapulting moon rocks straight at them. The dog spiraled toward the moon, dodging the rocks one after another. But about 50 feet from the moon's surface, Finn caught one of the moon rocks in his hand. Good enough for me, let's get out of here, he said. And the dog quickly spun around and headed back toward the stadium. The little moon creatures cheered their victory. And as they flew back to the planet, they saw the Shakespeare pod, cloaking device turned off, coasting up toward the moon. Inside, Hamlet was smiling, thinking he'd gotten away with one final perfect cheat. The dog flew in closer to the pod, and Finn held up his moon rock for Hamlet to see. And the dog couldn't help himself. He finally let go of his secret that he could talk by saying,
4: <laughs> So long, Hammy.
1: Hamlet's jaw dropped, and as Finn and the dog returned to the planet, they swore they could hear moon rocks bouncing off the Shakespeare pod. The Shakespeare team didn't even stick around for the closing ceremonies. When Hamlet returned, he quietly told his three friends to pack up their gear, and they all left on their pod, dented like a golf ball. Their robot dog stayed behind. (coughs)
2: This is mighty impressive, Finn Caspian of the Marlow
1: 280. The four explorers and the dog were lined up in front of the king. Paige was sitting on the throne, beaming down at her brother and her friends. A large crowd of short, hairy aliens that looked like the king had gathered to watch the ceremonies.
2: I didn't actually think any of you would have been able to get up to the moon, of course. I was more expecting you to, you know,
1: write a poem
2: or some such thing to capture a piece of the moon.
1: Finn almost raised his hand to point out a poem had been his idea, but he let it go.
2: Now comes the most special part of these very
1: important games. The king took out four medals. And hung them on the necks of each member of Explorers Troop 301. He took out a smaller one and hung it around the dog Bot's neck.
4: Now that you have all been named the Kingish Champions, it's time for you to complete your quest.
1: Finn bowed to the king. Wait, what do you mean complete our quest? Um, I mean, I guess, yeah, we'll go back and try to find a planet on which humans could live. <coughs>
2: What is the meaning of this? Continue your quest to fight. What are they speaking of?
1: The king turned to Page.
2: Sergeant Caspian, surely you
1: told them about the true meaning of these games. Page blushed. I kind of fell asleep last night before I could. The king looked angrily at the team.
2: These were no ordinary games. The fate of our planet depended upon true pilots, athletes, Puzzlers and detectives winning these games. That is why I didn't disqualify those Shakespeare cheaters out of hand. We couldn't afford to turn anyone
1: away. Paige spoke next, quietly, embarrassed and afraid about what she had to say. But Finn could barely believe what he heard. The king is sick, she said. That's why he's always coughing like that. He organized these games to find champions. There's an amulet that protected the king, kept him healthy, But just a couple of weeks ago, someone stole it. He wants us, I mean you guys, now that you won, to find the amulet. The king looked out solemnly at the explorers. Abigail stepped forward. Your Highness, we're all sorry to hear you're sick, but this isn't what we signed on for. Our parents are waiting for us back on the Marlow. We have our own job to do, and we wouldn't even know where to begin to look for your amulet. The crowd booed and jeered mercilessly. The king nodded. He stepped away from the throne and signaled to the two large yeti monster guards with the gray matted fur.
2: I was of course afraid you would say that. I'm also afraid you don't really have a choice.
1: The guards began growling and moving in on Page.
2: The fate of my planet rests in my hands and my fate now rests in yours. Take on this mission. Find my amulet. Heal me, or be assured, Finn Caspian of the Marlow 280, you will never see your
1: sister again. Paige stood up, sweating in her spacesuit. As the two gray Yeti guards grabbed her, she yelled, Finn! And Finn tried to dash up the steps to stop the monsters, but the one guard threw her over her shoulder and disappeared behind the torch. And before he made it up three steps, the other guards had closed them off. You can't do this, yelled Finn. We were just playing games. She's only six years old. The king shook his head and began to follow his guards. He turned to Finn one last time.
2: I am truly sorry it has come to this. We've sent out ten search parties and none have returned. It is up to you to find the amulet. I wish there was another way.
1: The king disappeared. The kids were dumbstruck. Abigail gave Finn a hug. And Elias and Vale joined in. Excuse me, but this might help you in your search. The little trumpet alien handed Finn a map with a planet circled on it. This is where I would start the search if I were you. Finn took the map and sat down on the steps of the stadium. What are we going to do? he said. Paige? They got Paige! They looked up, and descending from the sky was their explorer's pod. The remaining crowd quickly hurried out of the way, and the pod landed in the middle of the playing field. The hatch opened, and out stepped Foggy, followed by Voltronix Zoo, looking shinier than ever. Something's wrong with the Marlowe, said Foggy.
4: All the electronics are jammed. We were able to get the explorer's pod off, and came down to see if you were all right."
1: Finn explained what was happening.
4: Huh, they must be jamming the Marlowe's electronics then. It appears as though we are on our own.
1: Yeah, that's all right with me, said Voltronics. Let's just go battle those weird hairy things and get Paige back.
4: No, we can't jeopardize Paige's safety by starting an all-out battle.
1: We are not going back to the Marlow, said Finn. We have the map, we know where we need to go, and the sooner we get there and get the amulet, the sooner we free Paige. Abigail tapped the robot dog on the back, and he let out his leash. Okay, she said. Let's go. The four friends, and now three robots, began to board the pod. Voltronic stopped Finn on his way onto the pod. I know we're not
2: battling right now, but if we can't find this amulet, we'll battle them,
1: right? You bet your Oreos, said Finn. Okay, so here we are at the end of episode three, and I'm with my editor as always, my son, seven-year-old Griffin Messenger, here to tell me how amazing that episode was. Say hi, everybody, Griff. Hi, hi, hi. And you want to say just how much you love that episode? Pretty good. <laughs> it's a little bit of tension in whether you were going to actually say you liked it or not, or if it's just going to be pretty good. All right, so you had a question. You want to ask your, your question?
0: I wonder if those little moon invaders were actually getting ready to battle.
1: You wonder if they were getting ready to battle the the king, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They might be just one of those. They might be very protective of their moon. Or they might be getting ready to invade the planet. I don't know.
0: Or it, it might have just been for the games.
1: Yeah, they might have just been excited about the games. As the season goes on, would you like to see more of them? Yeah. Maybe we'll see more of them as the season goes on. I don't know.
0: What? Like, Like, they might try and invade the Explorers, like, they could be like the bad guys in this season.
1: They might be. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Okay, so did you have another question? Or you had an idea more than a question, I guess.
0: Oh, yeah. We couldn't use a name for that robot dog.
1: That's true. Right now, the robot dog is just known as Dog or Dog Bot.
0: Or Bot Dog. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but we probably do need a name. Do you think you think we should ask listeners for a name of the robot dog? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the robots on the show, with the exception of Voltronic Zoo, all got their personality through books, right? Like Foggy got his personality through a book. Yeah. But this robot dog was made on the Shakespeare where they don't do that. So I guess he does need a name. All right. So if you have a suggestion for what you want the dog's name to be. Email earth at fincaspian.com And maybe we'll have another Bebop style vote Mm -hmm. For what the dog's name should be Okay so our art today We got something from 5 year old Charlotte from Columbus, Ohio She drew Bebop Eating one of my Picassos One of my many many rare Picasso paintings Charlotte I love this drawing But it makes me so angry That Bebop ate my Picasso And we also got a drawing from Gus who's 6 from Seattle he drew four drawings including one of Bebop Breaking out of jail <laughs> why, why do you think Bebop would be in jail?
0: Reading or at the museum
1: <laughs> So he, Bebop went into a museum And started eating the art? Yeah Well maybe that'll be uh, Maybe Bebop might tell a story like that In Bebop Tales Season 2
0: yeah, and, uh, and I read his diary I read his diary And notice he has the whole, already recorded The whole season
1: Is that right? I didn't know that. I, he's not going to be happy that you read his diary.
0: He <laughs> <No. laughs>
1: All right. And so we have uh, Finn and Francis, who drew an amazing picture of Foggy and Finn, and this really cool drawing of the buildings in the lost city of Atenua. And then we got another drawing from Witten, who's four, from Northfield, Minnesota, who drew a whole lot of planets and other things that have been in the show for us. It's really cool. Thank you so much, Witten. And a quick shout-out to Rosie from Shutesbury, Massachusetts, who drew the floating alien, the trumpet alien, and more from season two. I think she's our first artist, our first chef, to draw something from season two. So thank you so much, Rosie, from that. All right, so we got a couple of jokes. So this joke is from Jack from Brisbane, Australia. I think I pronounced that right. What do you call milk in space? I don't know. The Milky Way. <laughs> All right, we also got Luke, who is seven from Seattle. He wanted to send a joke as well. What do aliens use to eat their salsa with?
0: I don't know. Space chips.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great one too. Thank you, Luke, for that. And now here is a joke from Saya.
4: Hello, my name is Saya McAvich. I am ten years old. I live in North Carolina, and I have a joke that I would like to share. What do you call a surprise alien spaceship? A (laughs) UFO.
1: That was great. Thank you so much, Saya, for that joke. Okay. And, of course, maybe you already figured it out, but our sound from our listeners today from Griffin Sound Club came from Leaf from San Diego with his Yakagudi <laughs> sound. You may have heard that in the Griffin Sound Club before, and uh, and that was the sound that the moon creatures made when Finn and the dog bot went up to the moon. All right. Anything else you wanted to talk about today? All right. All right. Now that we're done recording, it's time to go read. What new book are we going to read tonight?
0: Spiderwick.
1: That's right. The Spiderwick Chronicles. We're going to start that tonight. Looking forward to reading that. All right. Want to say bye? Bye, bye, bye. All right. Bye, everybody. Okay, thanks again for listening to the show, and thanks to everyone who has sent in their art, their ideas, their jokes, their sounds, their questions. I love it! Thank you so much! And shout outs this week to Isaac, Theo, and Cadence for their bebop questions, Finn, Witten, Charlotte, and Gus for the art, and Jack, Luke, and Saya for the jokes. And please remember that if you have a minute, check out our quick, 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 quick survey. You can find it right there in the show notes. Just click view description click the link and you can fill that out really quickly for us. We'd really appreciate it. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a type-drawer media production, written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the Milky Way for 3 weeks running. I don't know where you go from there. If you know what's bigger than the Milky Way, let me know and we'll see if we can get Mark on the ballot. For more information about the music, the art, everything about the show, check out the show notes. Thanks again for coming back every week and having more fun with us, and we'll see you next week. They are
4: Jonathan, and you see my diary, Griffin.
3: Search for 6 Minutes, start a Season 1, Episode 1, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history. Hey, it's Jess. Did you know that GZM Shows has a YouTube channel? Right now, all of 6 Minutes, Becoming Mother Nature, GZM Beats, and Cupid and the Reaper are up. And they're in these, like, beautiful playlists. They have this fun audio waveform visual. And best of all, you can turn on captions. And the captions have character names. Anyway, subscribe to GZM Shows on YouTube. Maybe there'll be some cool things in the future, like live streams, interviews, behind the scenes... We'll see. GZM shows on YouTube.